0: Welcome everyone back to the broadcast. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network, and I am joined here on this cold uh, Los Angeles morning by Tracy Pearson. Tracy, how are you?
1: I'm okay, Dave, and it is cold, but we shouldn't talk about it because there are a number of people on the forum that were saying, I hate it when podcasters talk about what they're drinking. I hate it. I'm sure people that want to hear us talk about the weather your beard um i like talking about your beard um our flat tires let's just let's just get right into it what do you think i'm just saying it's cold as hell that's all i'm saying <laughs> it is pretty cold dang it i mean if you look across the country like we have relatives in des moines it's it's warmer in des moines iowa
0: okay. yeah no this is unacceptable this is not the promise we signed up for this is not why we pay for the high property taxes yeah, and everything exactly. um Alright, well anyway we're, we're diving in we're diving in uh, it's uh, we're recording this the day after signing day um, I don't know when we're publishing it so I'm not doing that game today Tracy I'm just not I'm yeah. not I'm not having
1: it I want to stay in this dimension
0: yeah we, we it's too early for us to uh, operate in any other dimension than the one we're in Um signing day was yesterday uh also some news from the basketball program mick cronin uh had a covet exposure uh per uh ucla and then um they actually canceled the alabama state game uh wednesday night um Leaving uh, the, the final true non-conference showdown of the season uh, in jeopardy, uh, which is uh, the North Carolina game in Las Vegas on Saturday. Uh, there's absolutely no certainty on that at this point. Um, nothing has been reported. Apparently, North Carolina is like waiting to even fly out per uh, their message board right now. Um, I would imagine UCLA will have to provide some sort of guidance today for that team because I think they would otherwise be going to Vegas in uh, in a few hours. So, should hear something pretty soon, but um, pretty crazy, right?
1: Really crazy. Um, uh, a lot of things. First, we all kind of think we're over this mentally, right? But we're, obviously, we're not. Uh, secondly, concern goes out for Mick Cronin because we – we don't know the extent of if he was exposed or if he does have covid um and of course uh we all care about mick right i um, don't care about mick uh if he did have it speculating uh, if he exposed the team and i don't even know I, mean, I mean what's the CDC guideline on on quarantine if you were exposed and not test positive
0: I don't know. I, uh, I I'm I gonna put put cards on the table. I, I I stopped reading about all of the like different dynamics of this whole thing like six months ago because it was just depressing me too much. So I think it's something like uh, you got to get like a couple of negative tw- uh, tests within like a 24 hour period, something like that.
1: Okay. So. Okay. Yeah. I guess maybe we should have look this up before we start
0: this. Podcast. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Well, <laughs> um, I, 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 look, look. Let's put cards on the table. If he was positive. Let's talk about the the. I mean, uh, look, I, the players on the team very important. I was at media availability, Tracy, Tuesday morning. Come on, man. Yeah,
1: yeah, just... and and we have to say too, uh, and. Uh... You've only started doing media availability for the first time, in, <laughs> and I didn't want to bring this up because I, I feel guilty, and it, it, I mean, i got to feel a little guilt. When's the last time before, right in the last two weeks, you did basketball media availability? Steve, Steve,
0: Steve Alford was still the coach, and still in the middle of his tenure when it was uncertain whether they would fire him.
1: So we decide that you're going to go, just to get to know Mick, the whole thing you go, mm-hmm. and wow dave i'm just publicly apologizing
0: yeah no it's it's uh it's what a time to be alive uh me ben Bulch, and sam conan just uh, you guys
1: will all be quarantined together it'd be so fun that would be a great
0: yeah i know we should do like a video report um from whatever hovel um okay well anyway that that since there's nothing really to to sink our teeth into uh just well wishes out to Mick, anybody on the team who potentially um, actually has COVID and uh, uh, obviously everyone hopes the games can be played, but most importantly, everyone hopes that everyone can stay healthy. So we'll await word on that. I'm, I'm certainly not optimistic for North Carolina, given uh, that they were willing to cancel a game yesterday. It certainly doesn't bode well, but we will see. Um So let's transition over to football, uh, because football actually had some real things happen um, yesterday uh, with signing day. Um, I would say, uh, first, I mean, uh, I think the early signing day is a dud, and I think it's going to go away here pretty soon, based on uh, everyone (laughs) pretty much unanimously and in chorus uh, suddenly saying... Yeah, this sucks. Except for Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly, in your interview yesterday, was like, hey, yeah, I like the early signing day.
1: And we had, I had, uh, in that interview, the way it goes, I'm going to get my time on the floor to ask him one question, maybe one or two follow-ups, and then maybe come back. And one question, I, I, I didn't want to, uh, you know, spend all my bullets on, hey, but coach, how about an early signing day in summer? Um but, damn, that was his crying out for that, wasn't it?
0: Well, and he misinterpreted the question a little bit. Uh, yeah. I don't know if it was just phrased poorly, but it doesn't benefit teams to – having the early signing day is what forces programs to fire coaches early. They have to fire them early. What What a not early signing day would do is actually not – have that happen as frequently. And he was taking it as like, it's almost an advantage for programs that want to fire their coach early, which is not. It
1: was, it was chip being contrary. Yeah. I (laughs) I don't know. Like
0: I, I honestly, it was, it was really hard to parse what he was getting at, but I guess um, besides chip Kelly, uh, who may have just been trying to be contrary, it it appears that most people are in um, uh, it's a consensus that the early signing day is kind of a, 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 a poor um either time poorly timed or uh just a poor idea in the first place um the the suggestion that was posited in that interview i think is very stupid which is to move the early signing day to january and then what still have the february signing day no that that's stupid just make it really early do it in the summer um make an early
1: signing day an early signing day yeah and chip kelly was talking about it you know we knew we've had these guys committed we They know, they committed early on. Okay, well, if there are guys that want to get this over with and not have to deal with their senior year and thinking about it, have it before their senior football season, before their senior year. Anytime in summer, I mean, you can take official visits in June. So obviously it would be smart to let them take official visits in June and then make their decision and sign sometime after that, before the beginning of their senior year. That's an early signing period. You'd get that all out of the way. If I had brought that up, I'm, absolutely well i'm not certain but i would say chip kelly would have thought that makes sense that's we don't have to recruit then really these guys that much i think most coaches would nothing against chip kelly i think they'd love to get it out of the way so how about a summer signing period yeah we're we're thinking of it right now no one else has thought of it
0: right and so my thing is um within the bounds of obviously like player rights and you know giving them as much advantages as that you can and, and making sure that it's all fair to them. I, I, the more I think about college football and the more I think there's a big missed opportunity in the off season to make this exciting for the fans. And frankly, um, with the change in the signing day, I mean, just signing day is less exciting than it used to be. Like we used to have this huge buildup to February and the whole thing. Yeah. I think they should gamify it a little bit more. And what I mean by that is yes, do an early signing period, but put a limit on how many guys you can sign at that point. Make it like 10 dudes. You can sign a total of 10 for July, and then the remainder of your class has to be signed uh, in the late signing period. You
1: know why that would be cool? All the kids, there would be an element that they want to make sure they get their space. So there'd be a rush to be one of the 10.
0: Exactly. And it would then make it so, okay, you got to be really careful about who you sign then and who you pick for those spots and the whole thing. And it would make it interesting to follow because right now what you have is This December signing period, where you can sign as many as you want, or up to your class limit, and then you have February where you pick up leftovers. But neither is particularly exciting. And the reason December isn't exciting, I think, is because it comes so soon on the heels of the season, which is like kind of an odd period to get like really, really super invested if you're a fan um, in that whole period. Um, Just because you just got done watching the football team play, and then it's like two weeks, and then it's then. Um, Whereas before, when they did like February, you had these. Uh, what was it? Four weekends of official visits leading See, up to signing that's, day.
1: That's the thing. It goes against. <laughs> if anyone knows recruiting, the reason this is in February that I've always understood for decades, the kid has his high school season. It's over. Well, it used to be over in you know November. Now it's over in December. They have the holiday season. Let's. This is the NCAA thinking 25 years ago, and whoever you know thought of this was right. Let's give the kids a little time to have their official visits to make their decision. Having it in December, these kids are trying to play their season. Take a fish. A lot of you know they have. Let me let me just let the NCAA know. They have high school games on Friday night, so if they're taking an official visit, a lot of times they fly in Saturday morning and they're rushed. They're also students. So what the heck was behind this idea of doing it in December? It, it's not helping the high school student. It, it, you want to do what you want. Like in, in basketball, they have it in November, right? It's right. before their final high school season. Get it out of the way so you don't have to think about it when your season's there. And you've got school and basketball. Then the late one is after your basketball season. That's that's the basic theory. I why do it seriously when they have no time after their football season to take official visits?
0: Yeah, crazy. It's, it's just dopey. Um. So yeah, do it like late June, July. Make it so that like those camps on campus are like significant. Like I, I'm really invested in making this more of a spectator sport in the off yeah. season, and I think there's a lot of different things you can try to do. To make it more exciting for people to continue to follow.
1: Well, just, just from the standpoint, Dave, of, of bringing back the excitement of the f- February signing day. Yeah. Just to help that. Because that thing is just had all its power taken away now. Yeah. And it's not as if um, college football,
0: like, obviously, there's a passionate fan base regardless, especially in, like, SEC and everything. But I think it... it, it it has already built into the process something uh, that's even better than the NBA's, like, long and, in- and incredibly fun to watch off season, Um, like free agency and all that stuff. Uh, recruiting is so built into the framework of college football already that you can—it's so easy to make this a year-round sport that people are very, very excited to follow. It already was, and I think early signing days hurt that, so— Go backwards, reinvest in that whole idea, and make it a year-round sport that's fun to watch. Um, and I think you can do that pretty easily.
1: You'd have to think they're going uh, to do this in the offseason. Yes. Let's get back to the signing day class. They signed 11 guys, UCLA did. We're talking UCLA. We're talking
0: um, UCLA football.
1: Man, and I'm just, I'm, I know this is my job to talk about this, but I have to say this. There is so much contentiousness on the forum um, right now. If everyone's just finding a reason to fight <laughs> about everything, what I makes you up, say that? What I makes you up, say that, Tracy? <laughs> uh, I put up a post uh, just a few minutes ago that martial law has been imposed on the Bro Football Forum. If you even come close to starting anything that says, "Hey, all you people who think this way, yeah, you're you're just toast," so.
0: Your, um, the, the the increasingly threatening um, things that you post on the message board are always my favorite part of, like, opening up bro in the morning.
1: Yeah, because I try to have a little bit of a sense of humor to it. But yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, because this all should be fun. You're being yeah. thrown in the bro gulag. Yeah, God, gulag is such a good word. Um, anyway, the signing class. Uh, it was, for signing 11, uh, you've got to look at it from this standpoint now. Chip Kelly, and he made it pretty... Clear, even though he kind of didn't know what I was asking. And he did correct himself when I corrected him about super seniors. I didn't mean the old super seniors, I meant the future super seniors. And he said, oh yeah, Tracy, something, I think he and this did he say the words, oh yeah, you were right? No, I don't know what it was. He but said, he, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It, the the word fantastic. sorry did pass his lips. Yeah, 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 and I think he, he recognized that. Anyway, UCLA's recruiting at this time of year For this cycle, and as long as there are super seniors, and that's what, another three cycles probably, Mm -hmm. um, it's going to be about what super seniors you retain, what kids you can sign early, and then what transfers you can get in the transfer portal. So right now, I kind of trust Chip Kelly that they have not really sat down. He said, any super seniors that want to come back are welcome to come back. I, I don't... I don't necessarily 100% believe that. Um, I, I think most of them will be welcome back. I think there's got to be a few where maybe they don't think that. But that conversation has not been had with with all those players yet. That would that wouldn't be really appropriate to sit down and have just yet. So another, here's another way that this signing day is is ill timed. But you're signing. This early, these kids in this early signing period, with all this in mind, and obviously UCLA has a lot of potential super seniors. Uh, I estimated just by what I know about each guy that ten will probably return. If it's Chip Kelly, all of them. And I think there are eight. I, I I'd have to call it up. There's quite a few. Um, and then we know they're going to be very active in the transfer portal. Um, so. Right now, that's what UCLA recruiting is. So keep that in mind why this class is so small. This is not done because UCLA couldn't sign 22. They are literally saving scholarships for super seniors and for the transfer portal. The transfer portal has been very, very good to them. Very, very good to them they don't have any reason to believe that it won't be good again. We've talked about the Transfer Portal, how it's a, a, an amazing uh, tool and resource for UCLA recruiting and to fill in personnel. It's a lot riskier. You could, instead of building depth through a number of recruiting classes and developing and seeing where you are down, you know, two, three years later after recruiting a couple of classes, you literally are rolling the dice if you're going to be able to find a running back. Let's uh, – let's, I, I said running back because let's take running back. UCLA has not recruited running back, high school running backs, very well. I can't even uh, – when's the last time they got a high school running back that ended up having an impact on the team? I, uh, Jonathan it
0: wasn't under Chip Kelly.
1: Yeah, no, it wasn't, and it was not the last few years under Jim Mora. Dave, it's all been transfer. Understand? Great. It's a and Chip Kelly has a running offense that features a running back. What if they just don't find him? What if they don't find a guy who can who who's Britton Brown or you know just?
0: Well, that's it, the thing is Chris Brooks. Um, he decided on Purdue, and that was an option.
1: Yeah, I would say that might as be a. Uh, as much an indication that he feels Zach Charbonnet, there's a good chance Zach Charbonnet returns. True. But let's just say in any other scenario, you don't find that running back. Uh, UCLA's, uh, this, entire, this entire team that uh, Chip Kelly's got going is dependent on a good running attack and a, and a really elite running back. I don't think it's smart to roll the dice to wait every year in winter and spring to see if you can get that guy. Just not, not really savvy personnel management.
0: Well, and it creates, um, it's I, I, effectively it's the same problem as if you get too invested in one and done's in basketball. Yes. is you've got to continuously just reload with that every season because you've lost then your kind of development um, period uh you've created a situation where you don't have the lead up the build up where you don't have the freshman and sophomore years to get you know acclimated get stronger get bigger you just have to get the guy who's ready right then um and so it's that hamster wheel um so yeah i mean i think we both uh it's it's sort of the same philosophy as the one and done thing you want to sprinkle them in you definitely wanted the occasional transfer the same way you always wanted the occasional transfer um And now they're, you know, able to immediately impact and all that. That's great. Um, But making it... And honestly, I mean, his number that he was quoting, whatever it was, 17, 18, I think that's what they're working with. It's going to be more than that. I mean, there's probably still transfers to come that haven't announced, right? Like, there's always more attrition. Anyway, um, it's going to end up half their class is going to be transfers.
1: Yeah, I would say... Um, what I you know this is a running number, so it's always changing. But uh, if you figure in um, the guys they signed, how many they have opened, which is 27 at this point, and more are going to open. But let's let's go with that. The 11 they signed. Um, uh, how many guys jump into the NFL early? Three to four, maybe. So let's just say that opens that up to. Thirty to thirty-one that are open. They signed eleven. Um, do the math. That's a lot that they'll have left. Uh, ten yeah. super seniors. So you're thinking
0: another ten, probably another
1: nine to ten, right yeah. there. Um, and I, I, they don't feel that's a bad thing. That's this is how they designed this. So yeah. when you take all that in consideration, there it was a good recruiting class. Um, I think there were some, I'm of the opinion you should take a defensive tackle every year, regardless of how many are on the roster. They have good depth of interior defensive linemen right now. Uh, A young guy's sprinkled in with some super seniors and some other, it's good depth, but take one every year. Just, we've gone down this road. Remember when uh, every time they think at a certain position, they're pretty loaded and they skip a cycle. And then the next year they've got to take 17 at that position. It's just, or miss and not have someone. Just take one every year. Uh, They've taken one offensive lineman. Yeah, Take two every year. So uh, if I'm nitpicking here, I'd say that's what I would nitpick. And of course, middle linebacker. Take a middle linebacker every year. Didn't do that. So if I'm grading this recruiting class, uh, those are the main drawbacks. Other than that, I like it. It's it's um, one of their uh, recruiting classes since they've been uh, since Chip Kelly's been there that's had the highest average rating per signee. Yes, admittedly there are only 11 guys, so that number might be a little high, but still it says something. They they got. I've always been saying that if Chip Kelly wins a little, uh, a little, he's going to do better in, in recruiting. This is kind of it. Their talent level has gone up. This is a lot more talented class than, what, two years ago. What was the class? Was it 2019? 2019 was really bad, yeah. Wow. Uh, this is a really talented class. There are some guys here that I would say have a very good chance of being really exceptional college football. Kamari Ramsey's was one of my favorite guys in this class. Just uh, just a baller, man. He uh, I I got a thing for guys who just who like to take people's heads off. That's what football is, violent sport. He's a violent guy. He loves hitting guys. He's really he's he's a strong safety that's going to come up and knock you out. Got to yeah. love that. Got to love that. Jaden Marshall is a wide receiver. <laughs> if he if he can block. He should be able to come in and play next year. Um, he's that he's that good. I think he's an impact guy. Not too often have we had wide receivers who have been able in the last few years to come in and immediately play and have an impact as true freshmen. Um, Justin Martin is a very solid quarterback recruit. He won't have a chance to play next year, um, in my opinion, but he's a future starter at UCLA. A couple of guys... I'd say the every other quarterback that they've recruited out of high school, in their Chip Kelly, I would not have said that that it, that they had a very good chance of being a future starter at UCLA. This is the first quarterback they've recruited that I think does. So, I, I Tamario Harden, the running back, is a three star. I personally think that's underrated uh, for him. That dude, six one, he was like two twenty five. He's now saying he's two ten. I don't care. He is he is a dude. I really like him. He's faster than he looks. He is perfect for this offense. He is—he is Britton Brown in training, as a—as I believe he's going to be as good as Britton Brown as a high school running back. So there, are, and you've got some speed. Croy Stewart is a freak of an athlete. Uh, I project him being a, a striker in this kind of offense. Uh, sorry, in this kind of defense, he's really fast. Uh, high four fours. Jaden Marshall is fast. Brayden Peegan, he's six, four uh, wide receiver. He's fast. I like Sam Yoon. He was one of my favorite offensive linemen locally in this class. So I, I like this class a a lot for the guys that they got. Um, They can go, if they go out and get upwards of 10 impact transfers, I'd have to say they're doing well in their, in their, and this is a big umbrella in their recruiting. That I, but here's the asterisk: that doesn't mean they shouldn't be able to do better. That doesn't mean mean their recruiting efforts get an A. There are so many issues with how this program recruits, and up until this point in the transfer portal, they have not recruited well we've seen it there are either guys that they have taken that they thought were three-star developmental guys that would be that would develop into impact players that just plainly have not happened or guys they chose not to recruit through their evaluation that ended up going someplace else and are impact guys um yeah so let's just i'm giving them credit for maybe within the parameters of transfer recruiting, they might have found a niche here. Do you say niche, Dave? No,
0: I'm a niche guy.
1: Okay. Um, but that doesn't mean they have recruited well, and that doesn't mean that within these parameters, they couldn't recruit better. With, well, okay, go ahead.
0: Yeah, well, there's one thing um, I, I do want to touch on just kind of structurally with the transfer portal that I think um, kind of gets lost in the shuffle is a lot of the guys that everyone thinks of as, like, the big impact transfers, um, if there hadn't been a pandemic, would not have been on the team this last year. I'm talking about Britton Brown, uh, Paul Grattan, Quantrez Knight, uh, Obi Ibo. Uh, they all would have been gone after that first year. Uh, I think there's a little bit of um, a collective uh, delusion going on here because those guys have been such a big impact on the program. Uh, it's because they've been here an extra year that they weren't otherwise going to be here for. Um, Like, do you think the same way about Jordan, Jen, Mark and Cam Johnson? No, not really. Um, They're not, you know, they haven't been here two years. Um, So there's a little bit of that going on where I think the COVID rules and the eligibility rule is making it um, uh, seem like it's had a uh, more positive impact on the program than it may have going forward. Um like this past this past year of uh, guys, like I would say uh Zach Charbonnet, obviously, but Jay Toia, I mean he's more of a developmental guy. Um like he wasn't I would say by the end of the year he's been playing, but he hasn't been like
1: an immediate huge impact guy. See, but all in all, relatively, I would say that is an absolute hit and not because offense.
0: it's because it's essentially high school recruiting. Like essentially, it's bounced back from like immediately going to USC and then he's at UCLA. I mean, high school recruiting, yeah. Yeah, uh, Ali Cahoe, sure. Uh, Cam Johnson, one year, but sure. Uh, Ethan Garbers, uh, develop uh, again. It's essentially high school recruiting when you get him that young. Uh, And then Cam Brown, I would say, yeah, yeah. I mean, it didn't make a huge impact, but sure.
1: I think Uh, he'll have a good career at UCLA. We'll we'll look at him and say that was a solid career.
0: Yeah, and then Jen Marquise, who I thought was fine. Um, Just okay. Just okay. Um, So, uh, yeah, these are are guys who can – it's supplemental, I guess, is my point. Um, You still need to build your program based on high school recruiting. You still need to build, especially your line play – like, the vast majority of your line play has got to come through high school recruiting. Yeah. Like, there's no way you're getting four defensive line transfers in a single cycle or whatever they're going to want at some point. Uh, you need to build all of this through your high school recruiting. Taking one lineman this year, um, I, I mean, I, I get what he was saying about numbers and who we're losing and who we're not, but uh, you're going to lose Paul Grattan, You're losing Otito. Uh, you're, uh, we'll see on Alec Anderson and Sean Ryan, but... There should never be a cycle where you're taking one lineman.
1: To me me that, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to pull rank on Chip Kelly. I think I know recruiting better than he does. Ah, um, there is such a low hit rate for offensive linemen. You just got to keep a flow coming in because if you take, if you have 17 in your program, you usually only have like seven you can play and then you've got some guys you think, ah, oh, they'll end up good. Then you probably got four or five guys that you took because they were promising, because they were 6'6 and 274 pounds, and they looked athletic, and you're going to put some weight on them, and they don't develop. It's just the the, the highest miss rate. And perhaps defensive line is next. So all re- uh, line recruiting, you have to over-recruit. Um how many years did it take Jim Mora, of being UCLA's football coach, being a head coach on the college level? I think he absolutely, in an interview, he actually acknowledged, "Yeah, no. After doing this, we decided we have to, we, we have to take, we have to overtake on offensive linemen. Didn't he say that at one point? Ben? Yeah, yeah. It, it took him four years or three years, however long. But he had that acknowledgement. I, you can't look at uh, and say, okay, we've got 16 offensive linemen, let's not, let's not take anymore. It, that's just, that's, that doesn't, that is a lack of knowledge about, about recruiting. And even if you've overinflated the potential of the guys in your program, which every coach does, I, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to make a sweeping statement. Okay, almost every coach overvalues uh, their own guys. They all do. Even if you do that, just acknowledge that some guys aren't. They're going to get hurt. They're going to transfer. Something's going to happen. Take more. Just take more.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, much more important than because I think um, the the same rules I would think apply to the transfer portal that apply to regular high school recruiting, which is it's relatively easy to find uh, playable uh, receivers playable dbs um just you know it's just easier to find guys who are that size um finding linemen is much harder so you need to make it an investment at all levels like it needs to be your priority in the transfer portal but it also needs to be your priority in high school recruiting um you know general rule just make sure you're getting linemen
1: um uh, and i think that the real problem here that could happen is i i think there's a i i think there's a some kind of element that's that's having an impact here. That, well, if we don't if we don't you know get some guys, we'll we'll just pick them up in the transfer portal. And that's really I think that's right now we don't we're at the beginning of this whole transfer portal experience. So far, it's been good to UCLA, but we don't know the entire experience, and that's just not a good mindset or a factor to have in this. You should not rely on it. You should look at it as you said to fill out a few things that where you missed a couple of years down the line in high school recruiting, but you shouldn't look at it like, ah, you know, yeah, we won't take an offensive lineman. Maybe we'll pick it up. We'll, we'll, we won't take a high school offense, three of them. We'll pick it up in the transfer portal. Just, it's not the way to go forward.
0: No. And UCLA already has had um, some guys jump into the transfer portal, which I think is, uh, Few of these guys, I would say, are real losses. Um, one in particular, Countess Lewis, um, who looked eminently playable this past season, uh, but is, uh, is transferring out. Um, DJ Warnell, which DJ I Warnell, thought was a
1: future who, starter at safety.
0: Yeah, who went to Arizona. And then obviously, I mean, whatever you thought about him, the starting punter leaving is probably not ideal, um, in Luke Akers. So, well, not and anything. Miles Jackson. I mean, if we're going back a little bit, um, so I mean th- th- there have been some guys who have left um and you know that that could if you were um y- you could say well they're losing some of these developmental guys so you know you need to reload in the transfer portal and I guess to an extent that's true but also if you're not constantly recruiting over these guys from the transfer portal you know if you're not adding uh you know two transfer linebackers or two transfer um or transfer dbs or whatever do you lose as many guys to the transfer portal um so it's a uh, It's it's circular. It's tough to gauge what exactly is going on. I think there's there's a reality where transfers are probably going to be built more into the framework of recruiting every year than it ever was before, um, especially at UCLA. Like this is what a lot of programs who do like the JC route, um, like I'm thinking about Kansas State back in the day, but just, you know, a lot of the Pac-12 programs that go the JC route and have often done that uh, UCLA never really did to a large extent. This is more or less kind of what that was for those programs, and it can get um, a little wonky uh, to figure out uh, who you're replacing and also um, how much it's kind of eating into your uh, development of your program. So anyway, uh, just some food for thought on the uh, transfer portal. But overall, I think we, we have consensus. It's a, it's a good qualitative class, um, missed on linemen, Generally, uh, they seem to think it's strategic. We think it's you know maybe a little bit of a blunder, uh, but overall, given the given the the numbers, um, it's a it's a pretty solid
1: class. Um, when we're talking about the guys, the current players that have put their name well, not current anymore, but have put their name in the transfer portal, I think there's a lot to be gleaned from this. Um, uh, every there is one Californian. The rest are out of state. There are 11 of them right now that left. Miles and, ha-
0: and, and and check out what the makeup of this current class is because it is entirely within the footprint.
1: Wow. Maybe they learned something. Yes. Because, again, when they were recruiting, they were pretty much poo-pooing California and saying, we're going to go out because we're going to go out and find those special fits for UCLA all across the country. Yeah. all th- That's the element here of these guys leaving. One, two. I think it is also an element of this whole developmental uh, recruiting philosophy. Let's find some guys that we think have measurables that will we'll be able to develop. They're not ready now, uh, and and kind of poo pooing the, the star system. I think this is another indication that doing that you're going you're going to have a lot of misses, and and this is UCLA going forward. If it improves the level of its high school recruiting, we won't see this as much. But what it has been since Chip Kelly has been there is recruiting a lot of guys that I got. I'll just be honest. Brandon and I, Brandon Huffman, you know that guy. We'd sit around. We'd sit around and go, Yeah, no, no, no. That's that's not a take. That's not a take for them. And it's kind of coming out. I, I you know, Brandon and I have thought, talked about this recently and go, Yeah, this is exactly what we thought would happen. Out of state developmental guys. They're not going to stay in the program. And that's just this year. There, this has been a trend uh, under Chip Kelly the last couple of years. Um, the two guys that are different are DJ Warnell and Keontes Lewis, but still out-of-state guys. When things don't go right, these are children. They're kids in college. When they're not starting or when they're like a potential impact wide receiver and all they're doing is blocking and they don't get targeted one time, they, they say I'm, I'm a lot of times I'm leaving and going home. Uh, uh DJ Warnell uh, is from Texas. He went to Arizona. Okay, I mean, isn't Arizona like part of Texas? I don't
0: know. Yeah, but basically, yeah, it's same place. Um,
1: but you you get the you get the gist. They they are going to be more inclined to return back home, which is or not even return back home. More inclined to to transfer because this isn't their home. So. Um, That's a real something for us to take away from this. There, I would, between now and the end of spring practice, which is April, is that five months? Mm -hmm. How many more guys? I I mean, at least four to five? Yeah. I mean, we're going to see 16 guys transfer out here. And the
0: thing is, I mean, look, uh, not to bang the drum, but this was something, if you go back to our podcast talking about i don't know probably the last two cycles but especially two years ago if i'm remembering correctly this is something we cited at the time like the makeup of the class was like half dudes from out of the region not just out of the state but out of the region um you can't do that you just can't um, yeah. unless they're really good and they're gonna play and start immediately and even then they might transfer back kids get homesick you, um, you know what's
1: so funny about this whole thing it's you uh, I, you're not that much into recruiting, but you're clued in because you've been doing this job for a while, as have I. Every new coaching staff that has come in in football and basketball, we we know all the pitfalls and what happens with UCLA recruiting. And we see each one of them come in and decide they know without having the experience of, of being at UCLA and recruiting. And they all go through the whole process, each one of them. It's the difference is the good coaches have a, a shorter uh, learning, learning curve. curve? Yeah, that's the difference. Uh, Mick Cronin and his staff short learning curve, extremely short. Have have learned how to recruit at UCLA in a flash. Steve Alford never really got it. At, at By the all. end, it
0: was better. By the end, he was mostly taking um, guys from the West uh the issue was uh, i don't think he ever 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 kind of got the hang of don't just take the like bottom tier five stars because the bottom tier five stars are what kill you um you know you're jalen hands and chris wilkes those are the guys who murder you
1: but he still had the theory i'm going after five star five star, five star if not i'm just gonna take the readily available guy right as opposed to doing when you're ucla basketball yeah, we know the five stars are good, big deal. It's finding those multi-year guys, scouting and evaluating those guys and finding them. Those are the guys. And I can, if you watch UCLA basketball right now, it's it's that exact formula. Yeah, those five guys, those five-star guys, no brainers. We know those guys. But then it's the Dusty Stromers. It's the Jared McLeans in... McCain sorry in the 2023 class those are the guys that are multi-year guys that they have offered and they're recruiting they they got it very quickly um Steve Alford never got it he just happened to take I mean Jaime Jaquez turned into a guy and let's give him credit for it but yeah you can't just recruit five-star guys and then take who's readily available when you miss Yeah,
0: <laughs> um, he, he, look, look, Steve. He gave us Jaime Hawkes. All right, I'm just he, gonna you he know gave us, you he know.
1: gave us he gave us Mick Cronin too. So
0: <laughs> how can we be mad at Steve? How can we yeah. be mad at Steve? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Great guy, world class individual.
1: So UCLA football recruiting might have it's in it's evolving, and maybe with all of its resources that it will be able to. Um, uh, get personnel from maybe it has found uh, the right balance we'll see i well this this transfer portal so they've done well in the transfer portal for a couple of years w- uh, with transfers um if they really do well in this transfer portal i am i i will say okay that's a really uh, reliable source now um, so I'm this this transfer portal cycle is kind of key for me, um, but let's just say they've arrived upon it. Yeah, no, uh, we're into what year? We're going into the fifth year. That this is too long to be able to get a clue on how to recruit the program where you are, in my opinion. No, and-
0: it's it, it's the Alford. I mean, basically, I, I I disagree slightly in that I think Alford was sort of getting it by the end, but it took too damn long. Um, like the and. Obviously but not I know what how they to were, coach or develop
1: Dave but, I just have to say I know what they were thinking toward the end and they weren't getting it maybe the product was starting to happen. well
0: I would argue chip Kelly's not getting it either they're <laughs> still opting for the friggin transfer portal which is not a method to build a program so yeah. I guess my point is I think they're on the same timeline <laughs> like I, I don't yeah. think that I, like I think we're looking for clues that they're starting to get it and yeah they took more California kids but how much of that is just because uh you know, God, we got to just do this and take these kids because we're going to get all of our, you know, big time dudes for the transfer portal, and we can just develop these guys from like Los Alamitos or whatever.
1: You kind of nailed that. It it very well might not have been an acknowledgement is we need to recruit California. It just might have randomly been that that in this cycle there were guys in California they liked, but next cycle they could go right back yeah. a- across go, the country. Go get a yeah. three
0: star in Texas that you could find, you know, two miles away from campus.
1: Yeah. Um, all right. So. There's that. Um, I wanted to get your opinion about uh, the feeling around the program uh, from, uh, you know, our little fan community out there on Bro. Uh, I'm trying to put together some thoughts about how to write a story on this. Coming off the those last three wins, I think there was generally a good feeling. Well, you know, let's not discuss how bad those three teams were, but I think there was a you know they put them away like they should, like you said, mm-hmm. they they put them away. There was some uh, there was a good a, a general feeling. Uh, the Chip Kelly supporters were feeling good. The non Chip Kelly supporters were saying, okay, well, you know, if they can win their bowl game, uh, I'm starting to uh, I'll. I'll, I'll say decent season, you know, a, acceptable season. But then this whole thing happens with Chip Kelly in Oregon and his contract. It is, it is just shot holes through all of that momentum for me. Uh, and in, <laughs> and in trying to moderate our forums, I, I think that's, that's pretty prevalent throughout the UCLA fan community right now. Uh, there isn't that momentum or that kind of good taste in your mouth at the end of uh, the season. It That kind of really put a bad taste right now.
0: So my read on the situation is a little bit different. I don't okay. think there was a big transition to people being on board with the last three wins. Um, I think for a lot of people, um, the the season was, I mean – pretty much exactly what it was, which is, oh, they went 8-4. and four. They did exactly what they should do, and that's it. Um, there was no big breakthrough moment. There was a, a faux breakthrough moment against LSU that turned out to be, well, is pretty bad. Um, and then every opportunity to get, like, the win that I think would have put them over the top, you know, ASU. whether that's beating Fresno State or beating ASU, ASU or – uh, you know, the Oregon game was really quite deceptive how close that was. Cause Oregon really came in and tattooed them. Um, but any of those, like any of those, and you get to nine and three, I don't think anyone is actually complaining that hard. I mean, I think there might still be some rumblings, especially if that one win was Fresno state, but I think nine and three, you're like, Oh, okay. Well, that's, that's a move in the right direction, but eight and four, you know, it's the, it's the stringer bell quote about, um, 40 degree days. Um, just it's whatever um and so i i think where uh, my read on the people who are still pretty anti-chip kelly is that there wasn't a turning based on the last three games it was more like okay well it's now in that middle ground where it's just okay and now what comes next right Um, so
1: those people i think uh, given the whole dalliance with Oregon, had, are completely
0: off. Are but, completely off, and but even, I think they were always off.
1: Yeah, but they were to the point like what you were saying. Okay, they're in that okay mode. Now they're not in that okay mode. No, and then the Chip Kelly supporters are still Chip Kelly supporters, but I think a little a, a little chink in the armor there. Given going well, through this, uh, I want to be especially wanna... with the with not having any announcement or having. Uh, about his contractor extension
0: my read of the people who are still like pro chip kelly and totally you know that's totally fine um my read of them is that they are uh almost unanimously pro chip kelly with some caveats like almost all of them think jerry Azanero should go yeah. Um almost everyone believes that. Um if that's not a part of whatever's going forward, I think even some of those people are going to be like what the hell?
1: Maybe we should do a poll. One of those polls. Yeah, Well, I I, mean, I, because... I did
0: one on Twitter that was just simply should he uh, would you support Chip Kelly do you, uh, what's your preference? Chip Kelly stays or Chip Kelly leaves. Kept it very very simple and it was 57 or 58% leaves. Okay. Um and those keep are keep in mind. Your keep I have, a lot of, I have a lot of Pac-12 general followers yeah. um, who would be voting that he stay because he hasn't done a good job here. Um, so I guess my point is, um, I, I think the general consensus of the fan base is a narrow majority want him gone. Because we also had a... There was a bro message board poll that was like 55 or 56% leave, 54, uh, 44% stay. So I think that's the general temperature. Um, and then I think if you add it in chip Kelly stays with absolutely no changes to his staff besides that which is forced upon him by guys deciding to leave for other jobs uh I think that would tip even more in favor of
1: have we seen that chip being the, gone hasn't there been some guys in the forum that have put up that poll
0: well, I'm telling you right now there there was a poll but it was very simple it was just oh. should he leave or should he stay
1: yeah well I mean with the caveat of uh, as an yeah era, it's just that gets
0: been... that gets really it, it, it gets hard to like really put that out there but like Chip Kelly stays with absolutely no changes or Chip Kelly stays with a change or Chip Kelly leaves. You're kind of diverting the energy of, you know, what what's people what are people picking? Uh, But, yeah, somebody should put it up.
1: Yeah, you I, I think we can safely say that Chip Kelly supporters will start. To, they'll tell the bandwagon to slow down because they they might be contemplating jumping off if Jerry Azanero stays.
0: Yes. Yeah, I think the, a lot of them. Like, obviously, there's some, you know, there's some people who go down with the ship no matter what. Um, and we've seen it through a million different coach cycles. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think most people recognize something needs to change, particularly on the defensive side. Um, and, even and, if they're not big into, you know... Even they if, even if they're not quite as bloodthirsty as I am, um, they still recognize there needs to be a change on the defensive
1: side. So I got in. I did this thing. Um, I published some information that I did. I would say that I did not thoroughly confirm to the point that I usually do when I report something. I, and so I'm not going to even call it a report. It was just information that I had heard from sources, but I didn't deem them reliable to make a story out of it because I. Just didn't confirm it enough. Um, People love that, (laughs) which is interesting. Um, I'd say I have a little bit more right now. I I had reported that the offer that has gone out to Chip Kelly from UCLA administration didn't, didn't, to my knowledge, and actually I, I have not been updated on this probably in a couple of weeks, I did not have any kind of caveat that there would be demanding uh, coaching staff changes. Um, I've heard some rumblings lately of the possibility that Jerry Azanero will retire. Uh, But I'm saying it's in that realm of unconfirmed information. I haven't heard it enough from enough reliable sources to actually report it. But it is, it wasn't out there a few weeks ago. It is now, I am now hearing it at this point. This is one of those things though, this is the type of, As, as we know, Dave, there's information that can just go in a circular motion and just keep doubling back to you. And you can't take that as confirmation that it's true because it's just the same original thing that went out there to other people and then it eventually came back through usually reliable sources back to you that very well could be the case for this also
0: i i i kind of um grubbly refer to it as the informational circle jerk
1: yeah, yeah i didn't want to say that it just conjures up a really bad image but yeah
0: yeah 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 but i just wanted to get it out there that's that's the that's the that's what's yeah. going on there yeah um yeah i mean if, if they i think if um Honestly, I mean, if 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 anything's going to change the mood of uh, the fan base at this point, it's going to be getting rid right of as an arrow. I mean, short of Chip Kelly leaving for NFL or whatever, um but uh, as an arrow um, going, uh, I think would probably would probably tip the nature of that poll probably the other way. There would probably yeah. be fifty seven percent in favor of him staying, forty three percent in favor of him leaving.
1: I think so. And especially if let's say and we're this is just us speculating, they go out and get like a really good defensive coordinator. Not even one who's nationally proven, but you mean, let's
0: don't promote Clancy Pendergast?
1: I what would the poll be?
0: Uh. I think you could probably get that to 50-50 because some people just remember him from, like, Cal um, or his early U- USC years. No, I mean, uh,
1: what would be the poll Chip Kelly – okay, Chip Kelly responds yeah. to Jerry Azenero, Chip Kelly responds with uh, – comes back with Clancy Pendergast.
0: Well, I think there is an element of people who don't really know and just seeing Azenero gone would probably be like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. um, and no, then, we've
1: seen them on the forum. Say that, yeah. actually.
0: Yeah. So I don't know. I honestly don't. But – I think anybody is going to be um seen as like oh, okay. Um I mean people talk themselves into Joe Tracy, Tracy. Like people talk themselves into all these bad guys. Um so yeah, they just they 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 uh hire a guy and and trump up his resume then you'll be like oh, okay.
1: How about how about just throwing out a name? How about someone like um the defensive coordinator at San Diego State? Kurt Maddox.
0: I don't know who that is. But okay. Yeah, sure. No, I mean, it's, he's, it's...
1: he's been pretty phenomenal at San Diego State. Um,
0: yeah, but everyone's good at San Diego State. That's okay. that's part okay. of the system. Just there.
1: throwing it out. Just throwing yeah, no, out.
0: sure, sure. And uh, like, honestly, go hire Jimmy Lake. I mean, there's a lot of guys I'd be fine with. Like, totally fine with. Um, and here's
1: another little bit of that same information. I'm hearing that um, not completely reliable, but I've heard it now enough that Jimmy lake will not be somewhere next year at this at this stage right now that most programs are considering him a, a little uh, toxic uh, a, a little radioactive after coming off his that experience at washington right now so and i think jimmy lake sitting back making his buyout making his money uh, I don't. I think he recognizes that he's not going to go somewhere right now. So th- that's in the industry. The feeling is that Jimmy Lake will not take a job for the college foot next college football season.
0: Well, okay. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of guys who are going to be fine. It would be fine as the defensive coordinator. But look I think- up
1: Kurt Maddox. Think, see what you guys think out there. I know you won't, but the fans will. So let's just see.
0: San Diego State always has good defense. Okay. Yeah, they always do. So yeah, he might be good
1: okay yeah all right well
0: uh that was exciting that was fun it was enjoyable uh we laughed we cried um got anything else that's it all right for tracy pearson i am david woods from brun report online the ucla site on the 24 7 sports network and we will talk to you again next time see y'all